Disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, or professional broadcaster. The following are stories from my life and personal experiences and are the property of me. There will be profanity, quite a fucking bit of it, so please keep that in mind along with adult topics and themes. Listener discretion is advised. I've always wanted to say that. Hi, I'm Jasmine Aziz. Welcome to Here She Comes, Confessions of a Retired Vibrator Seller. On this episode, I'm going to be interviewing my niece, Zara Stationwalla, about eating disorders and the South Asian community. A long time ago, as you may recall from one of my previous episodes, I detailed how I went to India to have an arranged marriage and my grandmother tried to set me up. One of the things I didn't mention was when I first arrived, I had just graduated from university. So I spent a lot of time studying and wearing very loose clothing, eating everything in sight. So I gained a bit of weight, quite a bit of weight actually. And I didn't go out in the sun. So I was pretty pale. Got to India, got off the plane. And my grandmother said, you are too fat. She flapped her arms around like a chicken and said, but you're very pale. So that's good. And I thought, well, that's not very nice, but carry on. I'm here to get married. Then, a couple months later, I went on a trip to South India, where I happened to pick up an amoebic infection. Six different kinds of amoebic infections, actually. So much so that when I returned to Canada, Health and Welfare Canada called me and said, do not go near anyone, don't cook for anyone, you are a health hazard. That's great. So anyway, I did take some pills for that, but while I was in India, I lost 15 pounds in the space of less than probably three weeks. So I was also out in the sun, which is quite a bit stronger in South India. When I returned back to Bombay, my grandmother said, Oh my God, you are too, too dark. But look how thin you are. Very nice. And it was in that moment that I realized I absolutely can't satisfy these people. This brought on a subject for me that became a very sensitive issue, which is the South Asian culture is putting a lot of emphasis on skin tone and on weight. This can cause a lot of issues because a lot of your self-esteem is wrapped up in how you present yourself to other people and how other people see you. On today's show, I'm introducing my niece to you for the very first time. This is my first interview, and the reason I am introducing my niece is because she is currently fighting and winning the battle against anorexia nervosa. It's an eating disorder, and it's one of many different kinds of eating disorders that there are, and I think it's an important thing to talk about because... A lot of people are suffering from different types of eating disorders and different issues with mental health. Please welcome to the show, Zara Stationwalla. Hi. Hi, honey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm just going to say off the top, in case my niece calls me Feiji, so if anyone's confused by that, Feiji actually means aunt, means specifically the sister of her father, which is her father is my cousin brother which makes her my niece, and therefore I'm her Feiji. Whereas if it was she was my sister's child, she would be I would be her Masi. See, if you can't call out auntie in India, 300 women will show up. Am I right? 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. So that's why it's it's easier to have it more specific. And I am her phagey. So welcome, darling. I want to start the conversation with eating disorders. Maybe you can just give everybody a quick rundown of who you are and what you're up to. Sure. So um, I actually finished my last exam the other day. So Congratulations. Thank you. I have officially got my degree in psych. So I'm super excited about that. Um, so my plan is now to hopefully, um, eventually get my master's in social and personality psychology. And then hopefully from that, I'll be able to start working with 16 to 22 year olds who are struggling with eating disorders, which is something I've been wanting to do for years. So it's really my dream job. And how old are you right now? Um, right now I'm 22. Okay, you're 22 now. You've just gra- like congratulations again on this graduation. It's a monumental feat. Thank you. You're very yeah, welcome. I'm, I'm very proud of you. So, can you tell us when you were first diagnosed, or when you first had an awareness of the fact that you may have an eating disorder? Yeah. So I was first officially diagnosed when I was 16, but I think my eating disorder has been around a little longer than that. So I'd say about seven years I've had it for now so it would have come about a little bit before I turned 16. Okay and what brought it on do you have any awareness of what might have caused it or triggered it? Um, So when I was in high school I was on the wrestling team and so in my grade 10 year um, I lost maybe like five pounds to just go a weight class lower just for competitive reasons. Um, And around the same time, I also got um, into my first relationship with a guy. And, you know, we were best friends for years before we got into our relationship. So, you know, he meant a lot to me. I meant a lot to him. And so when I was doing my weight cut, um, he very, and when he said what he said, I know he did not mean anything by it, and he did not want to cause me any harm. But um, so when I was losing weight, um, there was a point where he was like, oh, maybe after the season's done, you know, you don't have to, you know, gain the weight back. You look really good as you are, like, right now. And I think what he said, in addition to, you know, the positive feedback I got from my family, from my friends, um, with just that little weight loss, I think that kind of put me into a different mindset where I was like, oh, people like it, you know, when I'm losing weight, when I'm thinner. And how did you lose the weight? Was it through, um, like for uh, diet or was it exercise? Um, so for me, exercise has always been my trigger. Um, it's something I love to do, which kind of sucks, but, um, So that's kind of my go-to, you know, exercise. Um, And then so I would do that excessively plus uh, restrictive eating. But there are many other ways, right? A lot of people use laxatives, people fast, people um, binge purge. Like there are so many different ways. And uh, there are so many different ways for um, this disorder to present itself. So it's very... It varies a lot between people. Right. And so you decide you you had a revelation of your own when you so you started to lose the weight and that was strictly to to cut weight so that you can make the weight class. Correct. Yeah, that it had nothing to do, you know, for health reasons or for my body. It was 
strictly competitive. Right. And actually, it reminds me of a story of a, a friend of mine that I used to have who was a competitive dancer in it was Bollywood dancing, kind of like a Indian classical dance and Bollywood. And mm-hmm. that I don't know if you've ever known anybody who's in any of the dance world is extremely competitive and extremely body oriented and she developed two kinds of eating disorders actually she had anorexia and bulimia and she became obsessed with the way she looked and a lot of the people in the culture were putting a lot of pressure on her because she wasn't married and she had to stay a certain weight so when you were in your teens and you were on the wrestling team first of all I guess that's fairly progressive of your parents to put you on the wrestling team correct (laughs) Correct. Yeah, that's not actually quite normal, Um, although it should be. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, So you were on this weight team, but were you having any issues with the culture itself? Like, were people in the community making comments at that age? Because when I was your age, at that age, 16 or 17, when Mm -hmm. I went to India, that's the age when everyone was telling me I needed to get married, which is ridiculous, but that's what they were telling me. And at that time, I was prized because I was Canadian and fair-skinned, so... The weight that I had on at the time, which was, I was average weight, was still too heavy, according to my grandmother. She wanted me to be thinner. And then after I got married, she said, you can do whatever you want, which is really Mm -hmm. ridiculous, right? Did you run into those kinds of issues at that age? So, yeah, so I definitely relate to some of the, you know, comments about weight and stuff like that. Nobody was really pushing me to get married when I was 16, but I mean would have family over, that would always be the first thing anyone talks about, right? Oh, hi, you look so good, you lost so much weight, or, oh, there's something wrong, you know, you've gained some weight, are you stressed? Stuff like that. Um, So those comments are very common, I feel, in our culture. I feel like, you know, like I said, it's the first thing people say, and it's something people just decide to, you know, talk about on a daily basis with each other. Right. So it is something that I think every culture suffers from, that kind of commentary on how someone looks, right? It's almost the first thing you you notice when you meet someone. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And, you know, when I was growing up, I was always an active child. I loved, you know, physical activity. And so I was, you know, normal body, normal body weight. But for some reason people and I was 16 right we were children when this was happening people were commenting on our bodies when we were children and children going through puberty so a time where you know you are going to be gaining weight but that's healthy weight for you to gain right um so having those comments come at a point where your body is changing but those changes are normal makes it very hard to accept those changes and then when those changes are inevitable because you are going to gain weight through puberty it kind of it you can really see how easy it would be for you know a girl who is in her routine whose body is changing and getting negative feedback from those natural changes you can see how um her thoughts might start to become extreme to go the other way Right. You can become obsessed with it or, you know, become dependent on those comments. And when they stop, you probably Mm -hmm. part of your mind starts thinking, how can I get that to continue? Yeah, exactly. So when you were in this relationship, what happened when you started to slide down the slippery slope of starting to realize that, oh, I've lost some weight. I'm getting some compliments. You were probably at that time feeling pretty good about yourself. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely. I feel like 
you know, having that positive enforcement from everyone else also changes the way you see yourself in the mirror, right? Right. So right. you start to like the things that other people say look good. And so when you see yourself in the mirror, those things look better because, you know, what you see in the mirror is all in your head and how you decide to perceive it in your head. Right. And so well, how does that change, though, when we're making the leap for someone who's listening and may be in that position right now? I mean, there are people that are working very hard, that are changing the way they eat, that are exercising to try to lose weight because they want to feel better and they're starting to get the positive feedback. It's That's a good thing. It's kind of an encouraging thing. So how does it go from being a place where people are encouraging you to a place where it's like becomes an obsession? Right. So for me, people kept you know, encouraging me to, you know, keep going and giving me positive feedback about my body. And I kept going and going and going. And it's more until, you know, you start to look physically too skinny, like sickly skinny, that people start to notice, oh, something is wrong. Because, you know, the presentation of eating disorders, you can't see what's going on in a person's head. You can only see what's going on, you know, with their body. So it's very hard for other people to catch on that, you know, someone has a problem because they can't always see it. And so people didn't really start to notice uh, that I was having problems until, you know, I started to show, but also in terms of just like eating socially in our culture, we, you know, food is the center of all the attention all the time. Correct. And you can't go anywhere without eating. You go to restaurants with friends. You, everything we do revolves around food. And so I began to avoid that. On the next episode, we continue the conversation with Zara Stationwala as she details her decline with the disorder and how she has worked to turn her life around. Eating disorders affect people of all genders, ages, socioeconomic status, and sexual orientations. This interview and this conversation are important to me, not just because of my personal connection to someone who has been affected by it, but because I too have suffered from body dysmorphia. If you think you may know someone who is impacted by an eating disorder, or if you think it may apply to you directly, please get in touch with your local eating disorder clinic or call 1-866-633-4220 in Canada, the number for the National Eating Disorder Information Centre. Please feel free to join the conversation via social media as well. You can reach out to me on Instagram, jasmine underscore Aziz, on Twitter, at jasmine Aziz, and on Facebook. Or email me, jasmine at jasmineaziz.com. Until next time, remember that the best part of life is love. So be sure to open your heart to it, because here she comes. I'm just a popcorn dreaming, gonna red and back to butter you up. I'm gonna shiver you, shake and quiver you, shiver you up.